Welcome back, everyone, to the long-awaited return of our Star Trek Lower Decks Fake Nerds Watch. Uh, we're going to be talking about the last half of the season, episodes 5 through 10. Just kind of generalities, just kind of getting our, our final thoughts out there as the season has come to a close now at this point. Um, scheduling conflicts, general interest kind of prevented us from coming back from for more. But we are here uh, because uh, the finale was really cool, in my opinion. Um yes. I am Brandon C. McClure. With me on this journey, on this trek, if you will, is Xander Hake. That's an audience. That's, that's it. That's it. Yeah. No. Too. I just no. I think I think I just wave, and yeah. even even in audio, they'll they'll understand. Oh yeah, he acknowledged. <laughs> <laughs> and Travis Alexander, how are you, sir? Hey. All right, so well, why don't we get into it uh, right away? Um, so this is episodes uh, five through ten. Was M M. Empathological fallacies, uh, Parth Ferengi's heart heart place, a few badgies more, caves, the inner flight, and old friends, new planets. Uh, those are the episodes we're going to be covering. So let's just talk generalities. The fa the final half of the season. What did we think of this season of Lower Decks? Uh, who wants to go first? Um, sure, I'll, I'll start us off. Um, so I I think I said the last time that I was on. Uh, one of these episodes that one of my fears going into this show was that none of the characters were ever going to develop. They were going to fall into that adult cartoon or adult animation style, you know, the family guy, South park, all that kind of stuff where everything gets reset back to the status quo at the end of every episode. No, none of the characters ever grow. And I especially was afraid of that with Mariner because Mariner kind of got on my nerves in the first season and then later on you know I, I i've come to now she's one of my favorite characters but that's because they have let her grow and i think that the second half of this season more than any of the other seasons we really dive into what makes mariner tick what is her motivations why is she the way she is and the fact that they were able to bring in some of the most beloved parts of the next generation into the reason why she is the way she is, is just makes her even more compelling to me. And I just love the fact that they were able to do that. Sander. Oh boy. Um, I mentioned, I think at large, we've all mentioned Mariner a lot. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that's because this season is so focused on her. Just, I think more than the rest of the crew. Uh, because it is such a like large character shift that she is consistently undergoing the whole season. Because there's a there's a sense of like, oh, but we already learned this lesson. Like you already had this interaction. Why isn't it sticking? And that like a whole part of like the ending of the season was her putting herself in even more danger than usual. Because there's that internal like fighting, that internal pushback to changing kind of like a core, really a core belief that she has about herself and the way that it's like handled and it taking up so much time, I think just really puts a focus on like how big of a change that is for this character. Yeah. Um, so wonderful uh, in, in that aspect, in my opinion, um, I think 
I want to say like 90% of this season was an absolute banger. Yeah, um, I would agree. Which is hard for, I think, any show to do. Uh, <laughs> uh, even like really good shows that I like are like, yeah, it's mostly good. There's some dips, but it's like, it's solid. Uh, no, this is again, except for like some, some very few moments, really, really good. I love, love, love that they did an episode where it was like kind of a bottle episode with like flashbacks and of like stories we've never seen. Um, I've always kind of liked that trope. Uh, so it was like it was it was really fun. I think that's that's probably on the on the upper end of the the episodes for me this season. Just kind of like showing the uh, the crew has been growing into themselves, which means they've been growing apart because they need time by themselves to grow as a, as a person. But still being like, nope, we're still friends. We're still the crew. This doesn't change, even with Tandy leaving at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I agree wholeheartedly with the both of you. I think this this season was great. I think there's I think there's really only one episode that I wouldn't even say I dislike it. I just kind of liked it less than the others. Uh, and that's the one with the Betazoids. Um, I think mm. that one's kind of fun. It's a good time. There's some good stuff in it. But overall, I'm not really, you know, that's not one I really kind of like think back yeah, to yeah. in the season and be like, hell yeah. Um but for the most part, I think a lot of it, real a lot of the season, really nails exactly what it's trying to do, which is the same thing we all picked up on in the first episode. This season's about growth. It's about moving on from the lower decks and becoming a star and like furthering their Starfleet careers. Something that I think we, I think if I remember, we all were just kind of like, I've never seen an animated show do this before. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's exciting, and I want to see where that could go, and if they could pull it off, holy shit. Um, Travis uh, mentioned really, really well. One of my favorite things about the season that I never saw coming was that they tied the show to its namesake, mm-hmm. uh, which is the episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. One of the best episodes of Star Trek: The Next Generation, Lower Decks. Um, which I, everyone was always pointing out, like, oh, remember when? Mm-hmm. Remember there was this Next Generation episode called yep. Lower Deck, but and they and the fact that they just were like, yeah. There's a reason why the show is called Lower Decks. It's because right. Mariner is in, is informed by that episode. I was like, genius. Yeah. Genius. The fact that, it, it, and we can go into it if we're going to break down some of the episodes individually, but the fact that they took, they were bold enough. Let me Let me say that they were bold enough to take such a beloved episode from The Next Generation, put it in this show, which... You know, arguably, like it, it is very popular among. Uh, there are it has its fan base, us included, but there is that vocal minority of Star Trek fans. It's like, how dare you make Rick and Morty on Star Trek? And the fact that they were like so bold, it's like, I don't care. We're going to tie this into one of the most beloved episodes and make this character of Cedo her like the fact that she died even more impactful like it was such an impactful thing in the star trek universe already now we're bringing in and showing oh no it spreads beyond just the next generation crew it goes out even further into the universe of star trek and i just i just love that i thought that was so amazing and i just applaud the creators for being so bold to do that i want to also just shout out because you mentioned cedo definitely um the actress who plays her does come back to voice her and it's her first Mm -hmm. acting role in almost 20 years yeah 
Um, and I think that's awesome. The fact that she had retired from acting, she it was apparently her choice as far as I can, mm-hmm. as far as I've heard, she decided to not act. Um, uh, but she ret- returned to, 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 to do this because it, it was that important. Um, one of the things that I really like about Mike McMahon is that he doesn't bring back a character unless he could get the actors to voice him, mm-hmm. um, which is incredibly funny because Nick Locarno is in this episode, right? Voiced by his original actor, who is also Tom Paris. Which is all, yep. And there's so many comments, there's so many inside jokes about that. And there's so many comments, and I just love it. And, and memes being made of it and everything. I just, I really love how much this show is not afraid to tell a joke that is like, could be world breaking and universe breaking, but at the same yeah. time, still like no this is this is the fans like this is obviously for fans fans would be making this comment so we're going to make the comment for you and i love that they have the same face they're identical <laughs> like had me like dead on yeah. the floor um, great i really appreciate that like robert duncan mcneil that's the actor's name um mm-hmm. i really appreciate that like instead of just like recasting nick lacarno uh making it a a, a voice alike because Robert Duncan McNeil had already been on Lower Decks as Tom Paris a couple seasons mm-hmm. ago. And that was, I have his plate. I, yep. I can't show it to you because it's up there, but I have the plate. Yep. Um, I, and like, that's really, and that's really cool. Um, but like, to be like, hey, do you want to come back again? But as a bit character you played on one episode of Star Trek The Next Generation uh, mm-hmm. that has never been mentioned again. Right. Is, just really cool and and i think it was so unexpected and it's such a really it's such a really fun way to play with star trek continuity and really pay off um fans and um uh but not be beholden to nostalgia but kind of like this is a something this is a story thread that i can pick up and do something with and it felt very natural and very like we've talked about before star trek lower decks is the reference star trek show it it throws out references left and right but the way that but it, Nick Lacarno doesn't feel like a cheap like Leo meme, right? You know, the, the <laughs> once upon a time in Hollywood meme. It doesn't yeah. feel like that. It feels like, holy shit, this character is back and he's the bad yeah. guy. What a weird he's still out cool. What yeah, exactly. Doing? Yeah. No, exactly. I I totally agree with that. And one of the things that I love about that is that it it pays homage not just to the sh- the show, the episodes. Um, that Sito was in both, you know, and, and that Nick was in the original one and also the Lower Decks one that followed up from that. Yeah. But uh, it also pays homage to what the creators and the writers working on Next Generation had initially planned. Like, like because Nick Licardo was supposed to be in Voyager. Like, mm-hmm. they wanted to bring that character over but the I forget which producer it was that said it, but one of the producers made the made the comment that the Nick was too far gone. He was he was too far gone. They would never be able to save him from that. Like he, they would never be able to redeem him. Mm-hmm. And so they decided to create a new character, but they brought the same actor back, and that's where Tom Paris come from. So it's like this this full circle of coming back around, and now we're doing something with this character that they wanted to do something with. Um, and and it, that also goes for Sito, because there's always been talks, and even on most of the online wikis that you look up her, her character, it 
keeps saying presumed dead. There, there is this yeah. ongoing thing in the Star Trek fandom and the writers themselves have said, we've never shown a body. There's always a chance she could come back, but they've always said, no, that would be too much. It would be, it would cheapen her sacrifice. We need to stick to our guns. And the fact that they were able to find a way to both have their cake and eat it too. They can bring this character back in a way that is absolutely shows an impact on the larger universe and how important this character is to the Star Trek story, but also still not cheapen that sacrifice by just bringing her back from the dead and showing that she's been alive this whole time. It's, it's such a, it was such a beautifully well-written thing. And I just love how it pays homage, not just to the show itself, what we see on screen in the next generation, but also the behind the scenes, the ideas that they threw out for these characters and initially. Yeah. Xander, you want to say something? Um, no, not on, not on that. I think that was like really well surmised. There's no like alternate perspective I can give specifically. Um, aside from the general sort of just crazy way that they're able to incorporate callbacks and characters like this without it seeming that uh you have had to watch this specific episode and know everything about it for it to be compelling yeah. it, it still stood on its own without all the other stuff all the other stuff is great and it brings in a whole nother level to like the interactions the meaning of it all but even if you're just a a a fan and watcher of just lower decks because i mean this is this is a show we've mentioned at large that you can easily go into and you don't specifically need to get the references but it might inspire you to want to watch other star trek shows mm-hmm. and if that's the the position that you're in this episode still works it still lands it's still like impressive but you know then somebody hears this podcast and they're like Wait, there was a there was an episode about this mm-hmm. in the next generation. This was it was called Lower Decks, and it just kind of like that sense of oh well, now I should check out this episode, and then being like that was actually pretty good. I wonder if the next generation is just pretty good, and that whole thing. It's just it's so well executed. I will say i i never I have never wanted to watch Star Trek more or like the older series of Star Trek more than when I'm watching Lower Decks and they make a reference to one of those. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that episode. I need to go back and watch it. And so it's like, I, it's just this vicious cycle of I'm watching old Star Trek because it reminds me, this this new show is reminding me of those shows. And then I'm watching the new show and it's just like, they, they feed off each other so well. It's just, it, it is really, a really great uh, relationship that they've created between this animated like you know something that should shouldn't be as good as it is yeah. <laughs> it really should not be as good as it is no you said something like you said earlier there's uh there's a a, a vocal minority of a fan base that considers this like rick and morty star trek but like that mm-hmm. couldn't be further from the truth like watch an episode of rick and morty watch an episode of start the lower decks they couldn't be more different right. um they have the same animation company and some of the same animation uh some of the same humor um, because Mike McMahon, Mike McMahon has worked on both, and Titmouse is the animation, is the animation studio for both. But like, 
this is so purely Star Trek mm-hmm. in a way that just like it's not Rick and Morty in that in the sense that like it's just trying to make a good funny referential mm-hmm. Star Trek show and oftentimes yeah. it succeeds. Yeah. And I mean it 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 plays I mean they're so not not that it's just they're different, but they're so fundamentally um informed by different uh attitudes. Mm-hmm. You know, uh Rick and Morty is is at its core very cynical. Yeah. Uh and very kind of like, you know, yeah, and and Lower Decks and Star Trek at large is just very optimistic. Very yeah, right. like because it, the- it, it the people who are controlling both, both are, 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 are so are so difficult are so different because like Dan Harmon is a very cynical person. Mm-hmm. So that goes into Rick and Morty, whereas Mike McMahon, I don't know if he is cynical. It doesn't seem like he is. Um, yeah. He's got a similar sense of humor to Dan Harmon, but like he knows mm-hmm. Star Trek. He's a huge Star Trek nerd. And so he knows yeah. Star Trek at its core needs to be hopeful, not cynical. So I think you're absolutely yeah. right about that. Yeah. Oh, and also, also to mention, and this goes a little bit outside of like just this episode, but I think it goes into like lower decks at large. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of buzz about lower decks not really going much further than this. Yeah, and being yeah. kind of like, oh, is this? There were a couple articles where we were like, is this the end of lower decks? Is that mm-hmm. with all the stuff getting canceled, with all like Paramount's mm-hmm. movement into other things? Is this is this going to be it? Um, and then I was like, "Oh, okay, they're already working on season five. Okay, cool. Yeah, <laughs> at, least, goodness. at least there's that. Thank God." Because <laughs> yeah. I think Star Trek Prodigy like burned a lot of people. Uh, Star Trek, yeah. not Prodigy, like as a show, but like losing that show. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that they were working on season two, mm-hmm. and then Paramount Plus canceled it. Now, obviously, it was shopped to a different network. It's now going to be on Netflix, um, which is nice. I'm very happy about that. But like. Mm-hmm. The fact that Paramount Plus was like, yeah, you know what? We renewed you, but we've changed our mind. Mm-hmm. Made every made every subsequent Star Trek decision, whether or not Lower Decks gets to season five, Strange New Worlds gets to season three. Uh, is there a Star Trek legacy? What's going on with that Section 31 movie? Um, yeah. All of that becomes like, how, how much of that is actually happening at this point? Yeah. yeah. You know, and I was thinking about this, that, if if season if season five ends up being the last season, whether they plan it that way or if that's just because of studio, at least it feels like this show has lived long enough that they've earned that complete end. You know, like they've earned that end because they weren't canceled in season one before people got to really know these characters. Like we have now seen the characters grow. We've seen them move, and and I like one of the creators even asked is like well, how far can we take the show that's called Lower Decks when all the characters are moving on from the Lower Decks and they're moving up and up, you know, as they get promoted? And it's like, are they, is it still Lower Decks at that point? Should, you know, the show continue to that, you know, to that point? Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, it just feels like, yeah, at this point they've kind of earned it. So if it does end up ending, not saying I want it to, but if it does, I at least feel like, yeah, they've actually given us enough time to, love these characters and they've given us enough stories. I mean, shoot, we've had th- what three seasons more than the original series. So it's yeah. like we've had, we've had enough, yeah. but they've kind of earned that, that completeness. Yeah. I think the season really positioned them in a place where it's like, if there was just one more season mm-hmm. that, you know, it, it very realistically ends with them 
being lieutenants and being yeah. like in different things or you know uh even like a, a jumping a few years and having like boimler as a captain and mm-hmm. you know mariner is number one or something yeah. and it just uh yeah it's like just it's finally positioned part of the holodeck <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Uh, it's positioned itself to be like, cool, we can, if we want to or need to, wrap this up. I think I, my my like point, sorry, uh, I think my point into being sort of distressed about an ending is because Lower Decks and Strange New Worlds really have started to set a new tone for a new Trek. Mm-hmm. And it it really feels like, oh, we're finally moving in this direction. Don't stop and then have us like revert to what we were doing before. Yeah. I agree. I I think that there's actually a real possibility. I don't know how much Paramount Plus is a struggling streaming service. Like a lot of streaming services right now, Paramount Plus is struggling. Uh, but they struggle a little bit more because they don't, they've really only got like Yellowstone and Star Trek and no, nobody's watching either. Um, and you like, think about like, I think about like how, how Netflix will sometimes do like sequel shows. Like there was Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous and coming next year is Jurassic World uh, Chaos Theory, which is the sequel show. So it's going to have the same characters. Um, I propose Paramount Plus does if they want to cancel Star Trek Lower Decks at the end of season five, and we have a lovely ending of them being promoted, we then we then transition to a new show called Star Trek Upper Decks with the same characters going up the ranks. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, one of the things that uh, I wanted to mention when we were talking about the show, though, is and, you know we talked about how referential the show is, and I, I'm mm. it's one of the things I don't think it's too much to the detriment of the show. I think it's the perfect amount as a Star Trek fan because it's like a lot of times, I, and I even mentioned it, it's like that's the joke I would have made while watching it and they made it for me. It's like, yeah, yeah. We're, we're kind of having this conversation as a fan, as as Star Trek fans. Um, but I don't want people who might be listening to this and who, who are still on the fence about Lower Decks or, or still haven't made up their mind about it to feel like, well, it's just a show that references the other better Star Trek. Like, cause the new characters that they also have created for the show, besides just the Lower Decks, I mean, the internet went nuts for Moopsie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Moopsie's great. Like, like, you cannot say that this show does not have a far reaching fan base when the, I mean, like, for, for a week, even like we, I think we even mentioned it that the the next episode had come out and that people were still talking about Moopsie, yeah. <laughs> the previous one. It's so. the Moopsie super, superiority, man. Yeah. Moopsie yeah. rules. I mean, talking about little characters, uh, like friggin' uh, Badgie coming back. Mm. Oh all my about god! That. It, him yeah. ascending to godhood, yeah. joining the, the like space <laughs> koala. Oh man, it. What a what a way to like fix that whole like okay but how does how does how does this end how does how does he like see the error of his ways mm. the he he gets he is an AI that becomes so powerful that he ascends to the realm of the whatever cosmic koala is controlling the yep. Star Trek universe you know and and even like uh peanut peanut hamper peanut like, hamper yeah, yeah. yeah is such a such a one note character but yet somehow they make her work every time she comes back you, you they make her work yeah and then the the episode where it just 
you know, you find out they they planned this whole escape of of the prison that that Peanut Hamper and all the other uh, psychotic robots and AIs were in, and. And then you find out she just wanted to go back to her family and that she's just, you know, going to stay there and, and try to learn what it's like just to be herself. And I thought that was a really great send off to a character that isn't necessarily my favorite. I, you know, I find her a little grating, but I was like, that's that's great. That was great writing to make me care about this yeah. character. Yeah, but also interesting to go back to that space station from Star Trek The Next Generation. Yes. And Exocom's are just running it now. Yeah. That yeah. is all that's there is Exocom. Yeah. No, I, I also love um, that episode because Boimler is so confident the entire time. Mm-hmm. He's so just like, yeah, okay, let's see where this goes. Like there's no yeah. panic. There's no, he's just kind of like in control of the situation. Right. Uh, play out. <laughs> yeah. What was the Tendi um, with sand was Tendi was with also, sand exactly. Tendi yeah. with sand, just like, like it just amazing. Yeah, I love Tendi. Oh, uh, Tendi and Rutherford also have a uh, a a blossoming romance in, in yeah this season, and it, it's that will they won't they you know Ross and Rachel type thing that you know I love that. I love that they have such a strong friendship that it honestly could just stay that way and we would not feel disappointed. Yeah. But at the same time, it feels real enough. The the development of these feelings and the fact that Rutherford is such a clueless, you know, well, both of them are really clueless to their yeah. own feelings. <laughs> and so just like, you know, if it does blossom into something else, I wouldn't feel disappointed about that either. But I really do kind of hope that they pull back and they're just like, no, no, we're just good friends and, and we're just going to stay that way. Yeah. But I also appreciate the, the, like the, the kind of, this, this is, they do have feelings for each other, but they don't mm-hmm. really know what to do with that because it ends with her on top of him in a Jeffrey's too. Right. Like, and they're just like, this feels right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're definitely into each other. And like, I'm, I, it could like, I think Travis is right. Could go either, either way if they want to do either one, but like they're, they've always been so cute together as friends mm-hmm. that like, I'd be down for them to try a romance and I hope it would work out. Uh, I don't, I don't know if it necessarily would, yeah. but um, I like those two characters a lot. I mean, I, I can see an episode in season five of them trying to, to see, you know, like go on a date or something and being like, yeah. Uh, by the end of it, just friends. And everybody's like, wait, so you're, you're, you're just fine being friends. Like, yeah, we just prefer this. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, like what... there's, and that's what the episode kind of does too, because when Miglimo is like, uh, these are the two best friends on the Cerritos and all the Ferengi are like, <gasps> because they're like the whole thing. And, and so and they like, so what do they do? They, they like, they like try to convince the Ferengi that Miglimo is in a thruple with them. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just yeah. insane. It was, that was oh, so good. Crazy episode. No, I, I think that, you know, and one of the things that, and, and this is just, you know, putting writing out there if they want, if the writers wanted to do this. And, and and I don't, I don't know. I don't necessarily really want to speculate too much on what they want to do because they can do whatever they want with these characters, but yeah. it would be fun to see them try, try this romance, try the to a relationship. And they put so much pressure on 
you know, oh, we're actually dating, so we have to act like this. We have to act like that. And then they finally realize, well, well, no, why can't we go back to the way things were? Well, does that mm. mean we're still dating? It's like, well, actually, I don't know, because, like, isn't a relationship just supposed to be two great friends coming together and, and you know, having this deeper connection? It's like, why can't they just, why can't it be the same thing? Why can't it be both? <laughs> In my opinion, the why only not difference... Both? In my opinion, the only difference between a good friendship and a good relationship is that one of them has sex, one of them doesn't. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it could be a little grating on the friendship to have sex, but you know what? You know, that's what yeah. it is what it is. Um, anyway, um I th- I I really liked the season overall, actually. I'm thinking about like Padgy's Goodgy. Goodie, Goodie's part of the whole thing. I I think that the again we go in the same episode that we're actually talking about right now with the with the uh, with the relationship with with Brotherford Mariner, with not Mariner, um, Tendi. Mariner has this whole like kind of thing with this other Ferengi uh, where she's being very mm-hmm. self destructive, and the Ferengi is like, "You're too much right now. Mm-hmm. Like I can't, I can't deal with you." Um, and Boimler is introduced to capitalism. Yeah. Um, with infomercials and um, <laughs> reality TV, reality TV shows. Um, I love that the Ferengi have made twenty uh, first century the twenty first century United States. Um, yeah. It's really funny. Yeah, the height of capitalism. It's like they just made it the whole planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the Ferengi was really fun. Uh, caves is. I want to shout out caves also. Caves because like. I love every single flashback being set in the same cave set. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah. It makes it feel like they ran out of a budget when there is no budget to run out of, or at least not in the same way that you have. Yeah. Like, like we have unlimited sets we can use because it's just animation. We can we can put whatever we want onto the onto the screen, but it's like, no, we're gonna stick to the same tropes that all the Star Trek shows do where we run out of the money. So we're gonna use the same set over and over again. Yeah. Because the the joke doesn't work if they change the set. And like they do change it subtly as you would in a Star Trek show. Like there are more like cave passages uh, in Rutherford and uh, uh, Ta'ana's um, uh, 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 flashback than there are in the other. There's like a, even a pond uh, in one of them. And so like, it's really, really funny to kind of like every single time go through this flashback and it's like, Oh, I had a baby with Dr. Ta'ana or I had this. <laughs> like, that was so good. Rutherford as a dad was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, great. <laughs> I, I just like, and but my favorite joke is the end of the episode. It's my favorite joke of the season, perhaps in the whole show, <laughs> because like, uh, because like Tendi has been talking about like her cave story isn't a cave story, it's a it's an it's a turbo lift story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they have so she's telling she's finally at the end telling the story of them of all four of them in the turbo lift, and at the and they're like, Yeah, I'm glad we're friends, this is really nice. And then Shaq's just, I'm here to save you. Yeah. And they all scream. Ah! <laughs> just incredible joke. I love it so much. Yeah. It was such a good. And, and you know, that episode, I think that might be my favorite episode of the second half of the season. When we're talking, well, I don't know. Yeah. The finale was so good. But, but that, that episode, the having the characters return like having the return of the the d shift 
uh, yeah. you know, and, and yeah. having that come back around and showing that they've now kind of that they've also grown and that the relationship between them and, and RB shift and how that's grown uh, and, and stuff. It's just really, really such a greatly just well-written episode. Uh, and I, I just loved it. I loved every bit of that episode. Um, we also see I, the return of an animated series alien uh, from Star Trek, the animated series. Yeah. Was, just thought that was, Again, Mike McMahon, Lower Decks does this a lot. They bring in Star Trek the Animated Series character uh, aliens mm-hmm. that we don't see in other Star Trek shows. It's really, it's really cool. I just wanted to say that it was really cool yeah. to see those. I, I, uh, I didn't think it would hit me as hard, but I, I don't think I had laughed as hard the entire season um, with the uh, Mariners flashback and the guy's leg. Yeah. Yes. It, there I, there was just something about it that it just I lost it every time. I think that moment probably was the closest the show has actually felt to that and also uh the doctor are the two points where it feels very Rick and Morty but not fully there. Right. Yeah, you know? yeah. Th- these moments I can kind of get the argument uh, that this is just Rick and Morty in Star Trek but because those right very rick and morty but they never go too far with it i think i think part of the reason i laughed so hard is because it's so different from its usual humor Mm -hmm. yeah yeah you know so people are like see it's rick and morty i'm like no no no, it's funny because it isn't and it kind of is right now yeah Yeah. and and i love that there were callbacks and now get into other episodes but overall for Mm -hmm. this season that you know we had we had the the um archaeologist character that Mariner kind of develops this, you know, somewhat relationship with. And then that comes back around. She's, you know, in the finale even and and stuff. And so, you know, they, they don't, they're not just throw no character in this show is a throwaway character. Every character, even when they make a joke and it's just a, you know, one note thing, can always come back and do more in a future episode. And I just love that. I love the way they set that up. Yeah, I agree. I think there are two speeches that I do want to highlight um, in the final two episodes. Um, one uh, one of them is Lacarno's speech that you were ta- kind of talking about uh, there uh, to like the lower deckers of the, of the world. Be mm. like, Hey, because like the whole, the whole, the whole mystery of the season was that there is something been destroying all these uh, all these alien starships, and mm. it was revealed that they weren't being destroyed; they're being towed away because Lacarno had convinced the lower decks of every one of those ships to sabotage their ships mm-hmm. um, and mutiny and take over. And he, so when he's finally got his Nova fleet, um, he says, uh, "Lower deckers of the world unite, pretty much," and. I really like that he thinks that like Mariner is going to be on his side with it. Um, and she immediately like, don't trust him. He's a freak. They're yeah. scary. Like, <laughs> like, just like runs away with a Genesis bomb. Like yeah. what the hell? Um, I think my favorite moment from that episode was when they throw this, the big ship, the big Orion ship into the force field. And, and he's like, and then the, what, what was it? One of the Ferengi, I think the turns to him. I, thought, I thought you said it was impenetrable. I didn't know they were going to throw a starship at it. I love the whole workaround of the Orions are going to give us a warship to get through this, this Trinar field. Um, mm-hmm. And 
Oh, guys, I cannot tell you that we've there's been a lot of cool Star Trek this season, th- this mm-hmm. year. Uh, from Picard season three, Star Trek Strange New World season two has some cool episodes to this. Um, but I think ramming a Federate, uh, ramming an Orion battleship into a force field that Boimler was captaining the Cerritos mm-hmm. and then having the senior staff fly through in a shuttle might just take it for me. Yeah, that yeah, might I, be the most incredible moment of Star Trek this year. That yeah. honestly seeing Boimler in that captain's chair full Riker and it being like full oh. Riker, not yeah. like nervous in that Boimler way, but not to the way that it's like impeding him. Yeah. It's just like, this is part of who I am. It's not going to get into the way of my work. Yeah. And God, it was so satisfying to see him in that chair mm-hmm. and see like how everything was going. Um, talking to that before before that moment, um, I was really, really, really expecting everything with like the puffy bird to work. Oh yeah, me too. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And, and the fact that it doesn't, mm-hmm. uh, and then Tendy's like, "I'll trade me." It just like it was. It was just like enough for me to be like, oh, there's tension. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was subversion because you, you know, you'd expect the the plan to work. Like that's the whole yeah. point of like, you know, we always get out of things. We always figure a way out. And it's like, no, this time there isn't a way out. We just have to let it play the way it's gonna go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh the whole ending being a homage to the end of the Wrath of Khan is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lacardo's like Place, oh, five minutes is too long for a timer. Please insert some latinum. What? What do you mean? I have to pay for the bomb? <laughs> yep. <laughs> the, the one the one thing I didn't like, though, about that is they named the new planet or the new system that was created after Lacardo. Yeah. Like, like, really? It's like, I get the, the mentality. It's like, well, his essence was kind of used in, in creating this, but it's like, no, you don't have to name it after him. I mean, he kind of was this megalomaniac, you know, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of like, it would be like naming, uh, it wouldn't be like naming the Genesis planet after Khan. Right, yeah, and that, that so, kind of felt weird. So my my thing with that, which I think where it made sense to me, was that Mariner was trying until the very, very, very last moment to, like, save him. Yeah. To be like, there is, there's still that like, just like Star Trek officer in you. There's still that like, that that's a part of you. You can still turn this around. Um, and seeing it not work and him shooting at her mm-hmm. was was really kind of heartbreaking, well, mostly that- because of how intensely Mariner believed in him. So to me, naming the planet after him was more of a like, this is what we wanted from you kind of thing. And more of like an homage in that way, rather than being like, this is named after because of the things that you did. Right. Kind of thing. Um, I don't, I mean, there's, there's an argument to be made that I'm reading too much into it, but um, it just, it, it feels definitely like, more of a this sucks that it it didn't work out better yeah 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 i I totally get that um brandon i don't know if you have 
specific talking points, but um, if you have a, a talking point where you want to talk about, I would really like to discuss the voice acting for this this season, especially the second half. Oh, of the- sure. Very strong. I thought very strong. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the main cast we, we've talked about, we love the main cast. We love the voice acting. Absolutely perfect. But the, the guests, we mentioned how they always bring back the actors. And mm-hmm. so seeing like Sito and seeing Tom Paris, you know, come back again. Uh, Will Wheaton. Ricardo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah. I mentioned Will Wheaton, because Will Wheaton has aged like we all do, time mm-hmm. has passed, his voice does not match Wesley as Wesley was at the time of Next Generation, which is when he appears as, like, he appears as his younger self. And it's that it kind of took me out of it a little bit just because I'm like, okay, this is this is, you know, older Will Wheaton playing younger Will Wheaton. It's just like it feels a little it doesn't feel right Mm. right to me. Um, I think there's always kind of a a line you have to walk when it comes to um, having uh, actors come back to play a role when they're significantly mm -hmm. older, Um, especially in like voice. I think what what. What was it? Something that just ran into this actually, so that I just saw. Um, there's like Doctor Who, so I listen to Doctor Who audio uh, plays a lot, and so like you, you're able to get like the the older doctors to play their roles again because it's an audio format. But uh, because it's audio, you can pretend that they're still the same. Mm-hmm. They still have the same face, but that doesn't necessarily always work, especially in the sense of like the sixth Doctor's voice has. Uh, gruffed a lot in his old age. It no longer sounds like it did when he was doing the show in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And so, like, uh, sorry, the 80s. And so, like, he, uh, so that was always like a, like, I can, I don't hear when I hear the those like plays, I don't see him as he was in Doctor Who. I see him as he is now. And I think Will Wheaton probably fell into that same trap. Um, yeah. And you, do, he does try because his voice cracks a lot in this, in the scene that he's yeah. talking. But it, it yeah, it's it's a tough line to walk. My opinion is that I'd always rather it's the same actor. Oh yeah, than absolutely. Not. Yeah, I I don't think there was an alternative to it. I just yeah. think that it was just yeah, it was one of those things that's like oh, okay, this kind of takes me a little bit out of it. But you know, to give the show credit, anytime that uh, the um, Jonathan Frakes comes back, he sounds fantastic. Like, oh man, I love Frakes. <laughs> like he somehow is able to the, make his voice sound like his younger, more energetic self, even though he's older now. And I just, I, I think that's great. I think Frank single-handedly saved Picard season three for me. Oh, yeah. If I'm being honest, I like Picard season three a lot. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but like Riker is my boy. Like I love mm-hmm. Will Riker with all my heart. He is my favorite Star Trek character of all time. And the stuff they were able to give him in Picard season three just like floored me. I was so excited every single time. Yeah. And, and speaking of Picard three, uh, Picard season three, um, the uh, I got the same feeling from you know, quality aside, but the an outcome aside, but I got the same feeling when they started referencing Sito and Sito kind of you know appeared in flashback that I got when they brought back um and I told you guys before we started recording, Ro. James Rowe, yeah, Ensign Rowe. When they brought it, it was just like that same feeling of, oh, wow, they're actually going to pay off something from the next generation that's been kind of this 
not loose thread because it did kind of the story you know was over but it just it's this lingering thing that was left over from from next generation it just kind of gives me that same feeling and so so you brought that up and i wanted to talk about um the second speech that i really like in this season which is mariner talking to the klingon um in Mm -hmm. uh, in the inner fight or the inner fight um i think and in that in that speech, we learn why Mariner is so self sabotaging. It's because she's she doesn't want to be a Starfleet general sending people off to die. She wants to be an explorer. She wants to be an ensign forever. She saw the Dominion War. She saw the Borg. She pe- people growing up in the next generation timeline have massive scars. Oh the yeah, Bo- the Borg attack of Wolf three five nine. The Cardassians. The uh, the the Borg attack again uh, when they attacked Earth that time um, in first contact the Dominion um, yeah. like the like they have a really rough and so like she saw and she, and her trauma is all centered around this person Sito that she admired this upperclassman mm. that she admired more than anyone in all of Starfleet wanted to be like her and some general sent her to die in her opinion mm-hmm. and it scarred her to the point where like, not necessarily that I don't want to be in Starfleet anymore, but I don't want to be the person that sends those people to die. I don't want to be part of that Starfleet. I want to be part of the Starfleet that I remember that I know is still here. You know, like I like that. I like that she points out that, you know, uh, Sito wasn't this great commanding officer. She wasn't, right. you know, a Picard, a Riker, a, you know, a Kirk. She was a lower deck. She was an ensign. She and was that an explorer, was not a soldier. Yeah, and she said, and that was good. It was good enough for her. Then it's good enough for me. And I love yeah. that line. That line delivery was so great. I, but it like it affected me so much because like I, um over the course of this kind of new era of Star Trek through Star Trek Picard, through uh, Strange New Worlds Discovery, Strange New Worlds to an extent, not necessarily as much, but like Discovery and Picard especially, Starfleet has become much more militarized uh, because mm-hmm. of what Deep Space Nine did. Deep Space Nine very much militarized Starfleet because they were dealing with the Dominion War. And I'm not faulting Deep Space Nine at all. I think it is, a great, it is an incredible series um, that I love dearly, but I think the wrong lessons might have been taken in the sense that like we and i see a lot of people like this a lot of people really like this uh, especially a lot of military people we have i believe falsely planted our military as al- starfleet as an allegory for our military and therefore the problems with our military and the successes of our military are being reflected in starfleet but starfleet is 300 years in the future and is not a military it's an exploratory force it is a it is a it is a it is admittedly very powerful starships yeah that can get in fights but filled with scientists and people who people don't go to starfleet academy to learn how to shoot a phaser they go to starfleet academy to learn how to travel and explore space Mm -hmm. and i've been really struggling with the with this idea of like oh Starfleet is a military. Starfleet is a military. And I'm like, I don't think that's true. And what I really like about Mariner's speech is that she also doesn't believe that it should be. Yeah, it's militaristic. It can be. It's, it's good in a fight. But every single time there's a war, they're caught with their pants down. And the reason is because they're not looking for one. 
Right. They're there to explore. And that's what Mariner wants to be. Mariner wants to be an explorer. She wants to be out there exploring space, not of not being a soldier. And that's what really affected about Cito. I really appreciated them putting that in this show. And it like, it really affected me. It was such a great moment that I, I've been thinking about it nonstop since I, since I saw it. Yeah. yeah I mean, um, I've been, I think I've been very vocal in how much I enjoy the like explorer, more optimistic aspect that Star Trek has. Yeah. Um, which has been lost on me a bit in, you know, stuff like Picard or Discovery. Um, I think Picard specifically turned me off a little bit from wanting to watch it because of that. Um, which is unfortunate because that's not, you know, really what Star Trek has been for a lot of people for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of if people enjoy this version or not. Uh, it's part of the reason I've really been enjoying Lower Decks. It's part of the reason I've really, really, really enjoyed um, Strange New Worlds. Yeah. It's because like the, the focus is like back on exploring optimism. And my greatest fear is that they are only doing that because they're in an earlier timeline. Mine too. Yeah. And that... Oh, it's it's earlier on, so we can be more optimistic. This is what people expect. We can do this, and right. then anything that goes down the line. I mean, we were even talking about uh, before we started the podcast, uh, Discovery season four. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that down the line, it it just it gets worse, and mm-hmm. we're back to militarizing. We're back to war. We're back to all these things that it's like I don't I don't want that. I would I would be super super okay with like just. A, a whole nother branch of the future. Like we've done it before. Let's do it again. Yeah. That's the thing about like Star Trek Picard used the destruction of Romulus to like turn Starfleet into a really like isolationist kind of totalitarian mm-hmm. um, look at Starfleet military. And I, Picard season one, like Picard is all about like, I don't think it does it. I don't think it does it well. And I don't think it's necessarily wrong to try to do that. But like looking at the faults of Starfleet, Starfleet's not perfect. Right. Star Trek is, isn't about a perfect future. It's about striving for one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, but Star Trek Picard season one tries to be, kind of be that like mirror, like, okay, let's, let's really like look at like what the problems with Starfleet are. And I don't think they do it well. Mm-hmm. And because they don't do it well, it makes me dislike any attempt to try to do that, even though I don't necessarily think doing it is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I, I kind of wish that like, one of my favorite scenes in Star Trek Picard season three is in, is in like the, second or third episode maybe the fourth episode honestly probably the fifth episode um when it's like when they're escaping the nebula that they've learned is alive and as they're escaping it it has given it's a it's a nursery it has given birth mm-hmm. to these space life forms uh this beautiful space babies and they're just the the cast just the next generation cast just looks at the looks at the view screen and just like marvels at the beauty of space and the what they've what they've seen what they've explored where no man has gone before and you're just looking at that like that's star trek yeah that is star trek that's what i want to see more of and it was it's such a small moment in in what is otherwise i think a pretty good show but like it was uh season um but it was so important to me so impactful to me and i want to see that star trek more often and I think Xander, you're unfortunately right because in a two in two two or three years, 
from the point that Star Trek Lower Decks is at right now, Romulus is destroyed. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we're 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 going to get there, and I or yeah. if the show continues, and I don't want to. I'm, I'm yeah. maybe maybe we should diverge. Maybe we, yeah. go left, go left. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, and we get the hints at that, you know, showing the the dark side of the Federation in Lower Decks, you know, I mean, sure. especially with Rutherford, finding out what's happening with Rutherford and what happened. Yeah. 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 And the so, Texas Clash from last season. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's not, uh, it's not that it's not there in Lower de- Decks, yeah. but I like how you guys have talked about how, you know, the, the shift in focus, it's not focusing on telling that story. It's saying this exists in this world, while we're also telling the story of these optimistic kids who are going out and exploring. Guys, I just thought, I just, I just realized what the symbolism of the season three finale is. It's the Texas class starships that are fully automated against the California class starships, which are the underdogs. It's like a full on liberal versus conservative. fight. Yeah, Boy, yeah, it's not subtle, and yet I didn't catch it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, I wanted to because we were talking. I, I, well, I wanted to talk about the voice cast. Uh, yeah. uh, we were we were mentioning the voice cast, uh, bringing back a lot of these things. And you mentioned Deep Space Nine, uh, Rom, seeing Rom, Rom, seeing where he went after Deep Space Nine and how he has been getting along, and I love it. And I love that he plays the fool. Because Rom is the fool, and he was always the fool in Deep Space Nine. But that it was for a reason. Like, he's actually got a handle on things, is in control more than you think, and understands more than you think because of the way he acts. And so it's just, yeah, I love the way they played with that character. Bringing that same actor, same voice back, and it was just so great. We got to see Rom and Lita uh, be mm-hmm. the Grand Nagus of, of Ferenginar. Um yeah. By the way, that's also a huge moment in Star Trek history for the Ferengi, the Ferengi joining the Federation. Yeah, um, yeah. threw that into lower decks. <laughs> like, it, it, like insane moment. Like, it didn't. Like, obviously, contracts need to be signed. It's a few years away, but like the fact that it's like the the weird quote unquote Rick and Morty animated show was just like, and this is when Ferenginar joins the Federation. You're like, oh shit, okay, yeah. Uh, seeing Rom and Lita back was so great. I love Rom. Um, uh, Chase um, Chase Meridian, I think, is the actress's name who plays uh, Lita. Um, she she's great uh, also, and she didn't really have a lot to do in D Space Nine, but I'm glad that she kind of is able to be at the forefront of this episode to um, yeah. to do a lot. It's really cool to see. And, and, you know, the Betazoid uh, episode you said wasn't your favorite, but I got to give a shout out to the three voice actresses that were there. And there, Oh, yeah. Were, all great. Yeah. I mean, we had Octavia Spencer, I think, did one of them. Was it? Or was I? Oh, I, let me let me let me see who they are, because they are well-known actors. Yeah. Well, one of them is the is the one from Just Shoot Me and um, and Hot in Cleveland. I always forget her name, um, but she was she was one of them because I recognized her voice immediately. I was like, OK, I know who you are. Um, I have so watched it's, Just Shoot it's Me. Rachel Drax, uh, Dratch, sorry, um, Janelle James and Rachel, Wendy, Rachel. Wendy Malik uh, yeah. is the girl from Just Shoot Me. Right. Yeah. Wendy Malik. Yeah. 
Yeah, the the three of them uh, were so good. Like they they did such a fantastic job of voice acting, and I feel bad because I'm like I did. I'm like you. I didn't really like the episode as much, but I did love them and their characters of these yeah. just hedonistic. You know, they're Luxana times eleven. <laughs> you know, it's just like yeah. if Luxana was you know, a hundred years younger and, and was into all the stuff and all the stories that she tells about when she was younger, what, this is them. This is, that's this, these characters. And so, yeah, no, I, I did like their, their characters, but yeah, it wasn't the strongest episode, but excellent voice cast. Shout out also to the animation, which I think is a vast improvement this season. I don't know if they got a, a budget bump or whatever, but like, it's much more fluid. It's much, it's, there's a lot happening in the animation that I really like, and I normally like it anyway, but I think this season they really stepped it up. Um, there's a lot of small details that they didn't need to include. For example, in that Betazoid episode, their pupils are larger than the other characters uh, because Betazoids have larger pupils, which is not something you would necessarily think about if you weren't just super deep cut into Star Trek lore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was cool. And also the return. We're talking about returning characters, returning voice actors. I know I'm obsessed with the with that aspect of the show, but this because I love voice actors. I'm just such a voice acting nerd. But the return of Jack McBrayer as Badgie. Oh yeah, <laughs> and Goodie and. Yeah, Who's the other um, one? Oh, I don't even know. They were they were so good, but I just love that they just kept splitting into these different personality types. It was like inside out, but in badgy. <laughs> uh Gucci is on the Cerritos at the end of the season, which I think is very funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I like, uh, uh, do we really want to have him on here? <laughs> his name is good. Sorry, Logicy is the yeah, other one. That's the Logicy. Uh, the very, the very, uh, the very Vulcan coded one. Yeah. <laughs> what were you about to say, uh, Xander? No, just that I, I, I love that. There's these like little innocuous things thrown in where it's like, yeah, Kuji's uh, just on the Cerritos now, mm-hmm. and that's not addressed. But you know they'll readdress it at some point. Oh yeah, they have to. Yeah, like there's, I, I love how Hollow Decks puts in like these little things, and you're like, oh, I forgot that they did that. Mm-hmm. And it like comes back around. It uh, no, it's just it's great. It's great. Um, it feels like just, such a full show. Yes, yes. Just to um, maybe move a little bit towards like the the moving towards an ending here. Um, just because uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I love I love lower decks and and part of the reason that I love it is that you can't talk about it without talking about literally every other Star Trek show. Yeah. So much of it is involved because it references so much, which means we get on these big tangents about all these other shows and series and like how it affects the world and how it, it's involved. It's just, uh, it's really, it's really, really cool to see that, that lower decks has been that effective in, in that aspect of it. Um, there is one moment at the end that I really loved, and that was like Tendi looking back at the Cerritos yeah. from the window and just turning around and being like the badass Tendi like <laughs> face comes in and you're like, oh. <laughs> I'm so curious. Uh I cannot wait for the next season because I wanna yeah. I 
I love Tendi. It's very sad that she's left the ship. Obviously, it's got to be temporary, right? Like, please don't. Yeah. Right. I'm please assuming don't the same thing as Boimler. Oh, that's right. Season one ends with Boimler being yeah, promoted Boimler. to yep. Riker's ship. Yeah. And then he comes back like two episodes later. So yeah. maybe we're in the same situation here. Yeah, um, that's my assumption. I, you know, that would actually kind of be an interesting parallel because, um, you know, this is a, this is kind of the first season of Lower Decks because they're they're a lieutenant junior grade. So it's like a it's like a, a, a mm. new kind of mm-hmm. reset thing. And so um, be an interesting parallel. That's what they're doing. And, and like in a couple episodes, Tendi will be back. But Tendi. either way, we're going back to Orion and I am not sad about it. Oh, no. No. Yeah. Anytime that they, they go back to Orion or they, they have something involving Tendi's Orion side of her personality. Mm-hmm. It's so great. I love Tendi. She's great. I'm so excited to see what's going on next. In Lower Decks, season five cannot come soon and enough. One more thing that the show ends on that I thought was really great. I wanted to talk about, but what's mm-hmm. um to Tavon or, or the, the Vulcan, the, the Vulcan to uh, to Ta'ana? Ta'ana? Was, is that Ta'ana. it? Ta'ana. I think so. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, she she actually gets the call that she's been waiting for for what is it this whole season uh, that yeah. she's yeah. been on the show. And she just click, ignore. <laughs> yeah. Stay. Really interesting decision. I'm glad she's going to stay because I like her a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. same. Same. And I've, I've always liked when Vulcans are like 90% Vulcan and like 10% human. Mm-hmm. It makes like. Uh, it's to Lynn. To Lynn. To Lynn. Who the hell's to honor then? That. <laughs> I, I, I told you. We were that. all like, we were all like Tana. Yes. Yeah. That's, yeah. That sounds right. It's definitely a name that's in my head. Is, is that the doctor? No. Yes. No, that's. That's the doctor, Dr. Tana. Yeah, Dr. Tana. Yeah. Okay. Oh my God. That's I, why. Well, their names are very similar. So yeah. it can't be us. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but sense. to Lynn. All right. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, great thing with Talyn. Love having her, keeping her. Um, I like that she had a little bit of a backseat in mm-hmm. the season finale because the season finale is so much about the core group. And mm-hmm. as it should be. Yeah. Yeah. And and I love that she's like part of the group, but definitely like there's a still a little bit of a separation. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm like she's not in caves, which is really smart right. of them not to do yeah. because like that should just be about our core four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love that they're able to like evolve with new characters and new things introduced and having their like circle expand. Yeah. And still just be them. Mm-hmm. I miss Jessica. Yes, that's the one that, that um Mariner that's the Andorian that Mariner was. Yes, dating. yes, I have yeah. been that too. I'm like, uh, she hasn't been on in a while, and uh, I just, I yeah, yeah. I, love I mean, it's like Jessica. Bring back Jessica. It's like I mean, it's like Friends. You know, you have some new character that one of the 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 main cast is dating for like a season and a half, and then they're just gone. Yeah. Right, but I don't want I don't want Jessica to be. <laughs> Uh, to to be uh, God, what's that guy's name? Simpsons voice actor uh, was in Godzilla nineteen ninety eight. Hank Azaria. I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want Jessica to be Hank Azaria dating Phoebe. I want her to be Paul Rudd dating Phoebe. Yeah. Right. I, okay. 
I also I like what Jessica does for Mariner, you know, like being the yeah. softer kind of counterpart to Mariner or showing mm-hmm. the softer side of Mariner. That yeah, Mariner right. has that, you know, romantic side to her that that you don't get to see uh very often with her friend group. So you know, I, I, I like mean, I do think we want to see her more of her. And I mean Mariner's like a more like healthier version of herself now. Sure. I mean, like maybe a romance would be better. So who knows? Maybe they go back to that. Maybe it's a whole different person. You know, yeah. I like the, I like yeah. the idea of kind of playing, playing with that because Tendi and Rutherford are the will they, won't they. Mm-hmm. And I love that they're because of that, able to keep Mariner and Boimler who feel much more like, at least earlier on, felt much more like the main characters of the yeah. show. Mm-hmm. Um, now it feels really like a like you know the group is is the main character. But yeah. following these two, the assumption with shows like this is that like oh they'll develop feelings, something will happen. They're like, but it really is just like this friendship relationship that's like really strong and really great, and that that's the that's the driving force in their interactions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's really refreshing to see. Uh, One of the things I was disappointed okay. with the second half of the season, and this will just be like some of my final wrap up thoughts. So yeah. is that they really front loaded the season with Boimler focused stuff that the mm. second half of the season, you know, and I get it. Like you split it. Like the front half is a lot of Boimler, some Mariner and the second half is some Boimler and a lot of Mariner, Mariner. you yeah. know? And, and so I get that, but it just, you know, if you, if you divide it up and you watch the first half and then come back and watch all of the second half together, you can kind of feel a, like a little bit is missing there. Like I, I kind of want a little bit mm. more it towards the end there. Yeah, I kind of understand what you're saying, although I don't want it to, I'd be concerned about getting it to be where the Star Trek Next Gen films were, right? Where they would split up, right, Grim Picard every time. Mm-hmm. Um, does So, like, I don't, I kind of prefer, like, at least they're always together and not, like, not like Boimler's getting the B plot or Mayor's getting the A plot. They're always they're not they're splitting it that way so that they're that the characters are always kind of interacting what i what i was saying was like the 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 first half of the season seemed to have a lot more for boimler to do and a lot more development for his character Mm -hmm. whereas he kind of took a back seat in the second half of the season because we did so much of mariner and her growth and her Mm -hmm. motivations and stuff that boimler was background a little bit i mean there was i I think where he spent the entire time in a single room watching TV. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> I think, funny. I, I think part of it for me, what makes it like a little bit more okay is that like by the end of kind of the first half of the season, Boimler's like specific arc for, for, for that worry has been mostly resolved. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So I don't feel like there was a need to like create another issue for Boimler to tackle right? when yeah. like Mariner's right there. Mm-hmm. So to me, like in that aspect, it makes sense. I get, I get where you're coming from though. And the, mm-hmm. it, it definitely like is there. Um, I think it just like really makes it easier for the next season to start tackling everything together. Mm-hmm. Like again, instead of the way they split it here. Um, and I like I like the Boimler at the end is, you know, 
piloting, captaining the the Cerritos. Yeah, because they brings that earlier thing into having its own more like real wrap up for that yeah. arc. So also, at the end, he was the one, wasn't he? The one that was starting the chant, you know, lower decks, lower decks. Yeah. Instead of Mariner yeah. being the one that always starts that chant, he yeah. was. So yeah, I, I do love that they did they did show his growth. But yeah, yeah, like you said, Xander, his his growth was kind of over with, you know, we kind of had his arc at the beginning of the season. So it was left room for Mariners. And, and like I said, I understand why they split that way. I just, you know, me personally, yeah. as a Boimler fan, when I got to the end, I'm like, <laughs> oh, they didn't have as much for him to do as what, you know, they did earlier on. Yeah. Um, my last thing I want to bring up is that I really like, we brought back the Samuel Clemens debates uh, with, yeah. between Rutherford and Libick. I thought that was brilliant. Oh um, yeah. Uh, all right, hey boy, you make a mighty fine argument. <laughs> I love the Captain Freeman too. Like, why does this work? <laughs> like, just don't, don't, don't try to understand it. It just does. <laughs> um, no, we didn't really talk about like the the alien bar. That was pretty cool. We get to see like the 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 weird long faced green alien. Oh, yeah, that's in, in with, the original mm, series. Original series. That was cool. Okay, what? Great season. I'm really happy with it. Um, anything else you guys want to bring up before we get out of here? No, I, I think we covered um, pretty much everything I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, all right, guys. Well, that's Star Trek Lower Decks. Um, it's going to be a while to the next Star Trek show. Uh, I guess February is when Discovery is ending. So stay tuned. Mm-hmm. Might try to do something for that. We don't, I don't know yet. Um, I have to decide if I want to do that before I. <laughs> see if anybody else wants to do it with me um it's the last season so i might i just i don't know maybe i'll ask cookie to see if he's back because i miss cookie (laughs) um uh but that'll do it guys um no that show broke cookie that'd be a bad idea um all right so uh Make sure to check out our website at victorpodcast.com for all sorts of things. Now that the strikes are over, um, this is being recorded post-strike. Um, it's a very exciting time because we are releasing everything that we were recording during the strike, finally. So a lot of the Victor's watches, a lot of the cinephiles, a lot of the anime stations, blah, 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 are all now coming out. So be sure to check out our website at victorpodcast.com for links that you can find all those shows and up th- their updates. I keep it all up to date. Um, so everything's there. Um, also, you can check out uh, uh, our Tee Public and our Patreon if you'd like to support us financially. We greatly appreciate the support. Um, you can also check us out every Sunday. Uh, every Sunday, I think, going forward, uh, where we just talk about news and stuff. So, you know, good time. Check us out Sunday Sunday, Sunday morning lives. Uh, everything's on our website, though, So, which is linked below. Everything's also linked below. We make it really easy for you guys to find us um, and support us if you want. But we are also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Victor Podcast. I'm a BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter, where you can also find me writing for AtomicGeekdom.com. Xander, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me at Jack in the Box on Twitch. I love that. And Travis, where can people find you? I was called you Santa. One of you needs to change your name. Um, yeah. Travis, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Captain Travis 55 on uh, on Twitter. I mean, that's the best place. Um, Kaiju Ramen Magazine is uh, is still going for the time being, but we're kind of wrapping things up and bringing that to an end, that chapter of our lives to an end. But, um, you know, that doesn't mean that I'm completely finished with Kaiju stuff because I, I'm still in love. I still I still love 
my I still justice for Baragon, you know, I still love me some giant monster stuff. So you can always find me online talking about the giant monster stuff. Just all of a sudden become the emoji with just like the two yeah. streaming down their faces. <laughs> um all right guys. Uh like and subscribe this like this video, subscribe to this channel, uh rate review wherever you get us on your podcatcher of choice. Uh your support as always is greatly appreciated. Until next time we see us guys. Uh, live long and prosper. <laughs>